Uh, now I'm on. Thank you, Leah, for that prayer. Certainly do need that this morning. Um, you know, last week we, we looked at what it means to look at Jesus as the hope that we need during suffering. And, and I shared last week, man, there's a lot more y'all in here now than it was when we started. That's awesome. Um, that always surprises me because I sit down at the very beginning and there's just a few of us and then I get up here and it's like, oh, hey, the church is here. So good to see y'all this morning. Um, we, we talked about um, our tendency when we're going through suffering. We've been in a season of talking about suffering. I don't think that's an accident. We started, uh, you know, COVID year 2020 with a uh, study of the book of Ecclesiastes, which is a study uh, in the brokenness of the world. And, and we can kind of continue down that path um, through this first two chapters of the book of Hebrews. And, and the Lord has us in that because um, there's a lot of suffering that's happening around us, right? Especially when people have, have had to stay shut in their homes. Depression is, is running rampant in parts of the country. And, and it's just hard. It's hard to, to not be able to, to hug and to hold the people that you love dearly. Um, if, if you go see extended family, if you're lucky enough to do that, it's, it's difficult to not be able to relate to people in the way that we're used to. Right? And so it's appropriate for us to talk about that. And we're going we're gonna to talk some more about suffering today. But I wanted us a reminder that, it, that what we talked about last week is that our tendency when we run into suffering is to simply seek relief. I mean, often the relief is going to come from a revelation. And that's what we ought to be seeking, is what is God saying about what's going on in the midst of this difficult time. And we need Jesus to speak into our circumstances and give us his much broader perspective on what's going on. Because we talked about at the end of the message last week that often things that are in front of us that are difficult seem so big that we can't see anything past that. We can't see what life is going to look like on the other side of that. But obviously Jesus can. He sees that what we're going through in the moment is just that. It's just a moment in, in a lot of time. And if we'll pursue him and ask him for his perspective, it's going to help us to walk through those difficult times because we're going to also begin to see that it's just a moment, even though it feels bigger than that at the moment. Hold on, let me turn my notifications off here. All right, now I'm ready. So today we're going to continue to wrestle with the idea of, of suffering in our lives. Um, and I'll tell you from the outset that today is going to be a difficult message for us. Uh, it's been a difficult one for me to process this week because we're going to talk about some things that culturally in the United States we don't talk about a lot. Suffering in the midst of our faith is not a topic that comes up very often. Um, it's going to be challenging for us because um, it's not what we typically think of in America when we think of the Christian life. But at the same time, I know that many of you today are going to hear this message and it's going to resonate with you because you've been through difficult times and you're going to go, man, yes, I see it. I see it. Today, we're going to see that our experiences and difficulty are not abnormal, but in fact, they're used by God to make us more like Christ. The, mess the title of today's message is Perfection Through Suffering. And that's not a thing that we talk about often right? In the United States, when we think of what it means to be a Christian life, you know, hashtag blessed, everything's good, right? And we're going we're gonna to address some of that today because there is truth in that. There is absolutely blessing in, in walking in obedience to Christ, but there's just as much suffering. Think about all the testimonies we've heard just this year. Just as many are about difficult things that we're dealing in life and how the Lord is addressing that as they are about the good things in life and how the Lord is blessing us through that. See, culturally, we think of, of the Christian life as roses and sunshine, right? It's, it's everything is good. 
I, I remember reading a book years ago, I think it was one by Francis Chan, where he had this young man that was in his office, and he said, I feel like I've been betrayed. And he said, what are you talking about? And he said, well, when the gospel was shared with me, it was as if when I give my life to Christ, that everything's going to be better. And it's not. And I feel like I've been lied to. It's important for us to talk about the hard things. It's not always fun. Rachel, I appreciate your testimony this morning. I know that wasn't easy, right, to stand before the church and say those things. But it's good for us to hear that kind of thing. You know, we recently I've been talking uh, in the beginning of our messages about my experiences in life. And then we, we moved to your experiences in life. And we're going to do that again today. And I, as I was thinking through this message this week, a lot of different stories came to mind. Points in my life where things were really difficult. Points in my life where it didn't feel like or it didn't look like God was in control. But my desire was to be obedient to God, to walk in what He had called me to do. But rather than looking at one story in particular, I'm going to just kind of share some highlights of several. And then we're going to, and I know you're going to find some commonality in that. And we'll talk about that a little bit. But I thought about all the different churches that I've served in over the years. Um, And the first several that I served in uh, were not like this one. We'll just say it that way. They They were governed and ruled over by people who had agendas, who had things that they wanted to see happen in the church. And the result of that is... There were multiple leaders who all were moving in different directions, and there was just this constant sense of tension in the church, and it was difficult. And I found myself often, you know, we're encouraged always to bring our friends to church with us, right? Because that is supposedly where they're going to hear the gospel, and that was certainly, I mean, that certainly is true, right? But, But from my experience, and I was, let me be clear, I was in that leadership circle, right? So I was also part of the problem, just so we're all on the same page. But I found myself not wanting to invite friends because, honestly, I didn't want to be there most of the time, right? I, I thought about um, other parts of my life where I worked outside of the church, had secular jobs, where I had bosses that, that kind of lorded the, their bossness over you, right? I'm sure you've had an experience like that where you had a boss that was just domineering and, you know, said things like, I don't pay you to think, I pay you to do what I say. And all of those experiences are not fun, right? I had several bosses like that in the secular world, and and I don't work at those places anymore, right? I know that I'm not alone in having experiences like that. I know that all of us, because we share testimony regularly, whether it's in this setting or it's in life group, that we all go through difficult times, and I'm sure that you've had experiences just like mine, but I also thought about people who, you know, I've got friends who who prayed and felt like the Lord gave them a direction for their life. And so they went to college and they got a degree in the field of study as the Lord directed. And they would graduate and they would have that degree. And then years would pass and the job would never come. They would go through interview. They would fill out applications. They would do the resume thing. They would, and everything seemed like it would work out. And then the job just fell through for various reasons. And they're, and they're standing there going, God, I, I'm, I did what you asked me to do. You told me to go to school for this and I did it. And where's my job? And, and they had these little part-time jobs that were terrible, but they were just trying to make ends meet. And they're just waiting for God to do what they felt like God said he was going to do. Or, uh, you know, we had um, dinner last night with Carrie Grace. She has a very similar story to Bethany, you know, in her first year of marriage, diagnosed with cancer, going, God, uh, hello, what's going on here? I remember she called me or we were texting right after her diagnosis, and, and she asked a question that we all ask, and I shared some of this last week from my own story of, of saying, God, why? Why right now? Why right now? And we're going to we'll follow up with that one in a minute. Relationships is one that I have here, dealing with your kids, 
or dealing with not having kids. All of us, we have these moments in our lives where we're saying, God, I'm doing what you asked me to do. And yet here I am and this hurts and it's hard and I need you to make sense of this. That's when we need to see Jesus. As we dive into the word this morning, I want to make a clear distinction as we're talking about suffering that in my mind there are two different categories of suffering. And one is one that we experience just in the brokenness of the world. And then the other is subjected upon us due to abuse or things like that. And so I want to be real clear today as we talk about suffering and, and the good that it is for us that I'm talking about the first. I'm talking about the suffering that happens because of the brokenness of the world. And if you are in some kind of a relationship where there is abuse and you're suffering at the hands of someone else, please talk to somebody about that. I am always available to that and so are the other elders. And, and if we can't help, we will hook you up with resources that can. Okay, so I just want to be real clear about that this morning in case somebody is in one of those kind of relationships. This morning we're going to read Hebrews chapter 10. And then I want to kind of break down some things that the Lord was speaking to me through that this week. So let's read this together. Uh, it'll be up on the screen. It says, For in bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was entirely appropriate that God, for whom and through whom all things exist, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Do you see what the author is saying here? He's saying that it is fitting for the Creator, God who created the earth, in order to bring us back to glory, in order to restore the relationship that we broke because of sin, that it was good for Him to be made perfect through suffering. And you might ask yourself, like I did, why would Jesus, who is perfect, need to be made perfect? That's kind of the question for today. And it's the question in my mind because, we can't, uh, because until we answer that, we can't answer the sub subsequent questions that come after that. One, namely, which is, why would God let his people suffer? That's a question that gets asked often. And church, I want you to see the bigger picture here today. Because here's where I was most of the week, and the Lord kind of expanded my, my vision a little bit this morning during worship, is often when we talk about suffering, we're looking at ourselves. We're looking at our own lives and our own circumstances. And this morning in my introduction, I pointed out the fact that the world around us is suffering, and that was due to what the Lord was speaking in my heart this morning, because this message is not just for us. This message is for the people in our lives that come to us and say, why me? Why right now? Those questions are important. They're hard, but they're good. And they deserve to be answered. doesn't mean this message is not going to give you the answer to all those questions, but it is going to give you an avenue in which to begin seeking for those answers with that person. When I made the statement this morning that God uses our suffering, it, that may have caused you pause. And if it did, that's okay, because it did for me too this week. As I'm studying, as I'm reading different commentaries, I'm making notes. And that was one of the first ones that came up. Because I'm like you, I, I was, and I was talking with a neighbor about this yesterday. We don't like to suffer, right? Can I get an amen on that? Nobody likes it. That's not enjoyable. It's not, it's not in our DNA. We were not created to suffer. We were created to live in perfect relationship with God. And so part of our, um, oh, what the fight or flight, what is that called? I can't think of the word. But part of our instinct is to move away from suffering, right? Like you teach kids when they're little, don't touch the stove, it's hot, it will burn you. And that will hurt. Like that's how our brains are programmed to work, is to move away from suffering. But what we know to be true is that we can counter it regularly in our lives. So how do we deal with that? 
I, I think it's interesting that in, a, in the United States, this idea of suffering is one of the greatest stumbling blocks in, in our American Christianity culture. And I find that interesting because if you go to other parts of the world, especially parts of the world where it's illegal to be a believer in Jesus, suffering is a normal and an accepted part of being a follower of Christ. It is known from the very beginning, if I choose to believe in Jesus and move my life in that direction, there is a good chance that I will go to prison, I will be martyred, my family will be hurt, and people choose to follow Jesus, right? And so what does, that, what does that say for us in our mindset and how we think about the gospel? Um, this was in one of my commentaries this week, and I wanted to share it with you. It said this, because it's going to give us some, some context around this idea of Jesus needing to be perfected, okay? It says, this theme of the crucified Lord scandalized the first century world. Note how Paul spoke of the cross as a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called the power of God and the wisdom of God. The idea of suffering was a stumbling block not just for us, but it was for the Jewish people when Jesus was alive and right after his death. It was a stumbling block for the Gentiles, again, because when you think about what the Jews were looking for, they were looking for a Savior that would come in, you know, we jokingly say on a white horse, but they were looking for somebody to come and free them from occupation. For generations, there had been different governing powers occupying the nation of Israel. And so when they read the Old Testament Scriptures and they thought about the Messiah, their desire was for someone to free them from that enslavement, from that burden in their life. And so then Jesus shows up and He's a suffering servant. And that's not what they were looking for. And, and from outside the Jewish culture, to see a person who calls themselves a leader, who calls themselves a king, and to submit himself to die on a cross, that also doesn't fit the idea of what a king would, the role that he would play. And that's why they refused to believe that Jesus was the promised Messiah. So why is it that Jewish, Gentile, us, why is it that we can't deal with the idea of a suffering king? Why is that so foreign to us? I think a big part of that is because our worldview puts ourselves in the place of glory rather than Jesus. We make it about us. I was listening to some music this week while I was prepping, and I heard this song, and, uh, so, and it was good. I enjoyed it. It had a good beat to it. And so I pulled out Spotify to see what the song was, and it was called Blessed Up Remix. And so if there's a remix, I have to, my brain has to go listen to the original. So I did a, a quick little search, and the song that came up was a song by Meek Mill called Blessed Up. I don't know if you're familiar with Meek Mill or not. Don't listen to that with kids in the car. Just hair, fair heads up. But this is the first two lines in the chorus of that song. I want you to listen to this, and, and then we're going to talk about it for a minute. He said, I got God watching over me from the court side, balling like I'm Jordan because I'm blessed up. I think Meek Mill... Maybe it's intentional, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know it. I think he nails it. Think about the places that he and Jesus are. He's like Jordan balling on the court, and he's got God on the court side. Now, in your mind, you're thinking, yeah, but Will, the coach is the one calling the shots. That's what he's saying. That's who God is. But that's where the analogy breaks down. God is not on the sidelines of our lives yelling with veins popping out of his neck because we're not doing it right. 
That's not the role God wants to play in, his li- in our lives. As believers, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, so He's the one making the moves. We're just the meat suit that it's happening in. That's some good imagery for you. You're welcome. <laughs> Make sure y'all are waking up. Okay? Deep down, we believe that if we acknowledge God, hear me on this church, we believe that if we acknowledge God but keep Him on the sidelines, He's going to bless our lives. That's why we don't like the idea of suffering. Because we've been trained, we've been taught that if we accept the idea of God and of Jesus and we ask Him to be the Lord of our lives and we put Him over here to the sidelines and let Him call a few of the shots, that life's going to be good. In church, that analogy does not work. It's broken. It's flawed theology. It's flawed thinking. Most of America, most of us in our lives have had the wrong idea about who God is and how He works in our lives. He's not meant to be on the sidelines. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us for a reason. And this brings us back to our original question of why did Jesus need to be made perfect? A plan is not perfect until it's brought to completion. Look at this commentary this week. It said, perfection in Hebrews has to do with fully completing a course making it to the end of God's plan. That Jesus was made perfect through suffering, therefore connotes his full obedience to his mission of death on the cross and perhaps the adequacy of that act for bringing the children of God to glory. Jesus was made perfect by walking in obedience to what God planned. It wasn't that Jesus wasn't perfect It's that Jesus was perfecting the plan by walking in obedience to what God asked him to do. In church, that wasn't easy for him to do. When we talk about the fact that Jesus knows what it feels, we talked about that last week, that Jesus knows what it feels like to suffer. Look with me back at Luke chapter 22. Let's go back to the garden. Right before Jesus is handed over to the Roman authorities and stands trial and is crucified, listen to what happens. This is verse 39 through 42. It says, He went out and made his way as usual to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. When he reached the place, he told them, Pray that you may not fall into temptation. Then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down, and began to pray. Father, if you are willing to take this cup from me, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Father, if you are willing... Take this cup away from me. Jesus did not want to die on a cross. That pain was not something that he looked forward to. But he said, God, not not my will, but yours be done. Church, if we're going to be made like Christ, we have to live our lives in a way where we look at the challenges that are in front of us and say, God, I don't want to do this. But it's not about me. It's about you. It's about doing what you've called me to do. This is the place where we find ourselves facing a struggle. We're looking for a relief, just like Jesus does. Right? He's looking for relief. That's why he says to God, take this cup from me, if it all able. But that's where we stop. We don't go forward more and look for the revelation, look for what God has to say to us. Church, Jesus suffered so that we could know the love of the Father. He suffered death on the cross so that we could be entered into that relationship so that when Jesus looks at us, 
He doesn't see our sin. He sees the perfection of his son. So that brings us to the second question. Why would a loving God ask his followers to suffer? And again, I say, because it's not about us. It's about him. We go through hard things so that other people may know the love of God. It's through that process that we come to know the Father in a way that we could never, that we never could without suffering. Because we know the Father on a deeper level and we are able to share the depth of that knowledge with the people in our lives that are also suffering. So that remix that I was listening to, Blessed Up, listen to, I think this is part of the bridge. It says, I've been blessed up, I've been broke down. You see what you've gone through has made you And it's actually the reason why you blessed. So go on and turn up the music and don't stress. Because the season you're in right now, just give it a little time and it'll prove you blessed. It's that suffering that makes us who we are. We don't like the idea of that because we don't want to suffer. Let's just be honest. But it doesn't matter if we like it or not. It's still truth. It's easy for us to think of life in terms like this, it, but it, I mean, it isn't easy. And it isn't easy because we're created uh, not to endure hard things. But sin's here and we live in it. We live in the world, we're born into it. And that sin has to be removed from us. And God does that through His Son. Look back with me at, at the book of Malachi. You're going to recognize some of, these, some of this wordage. And I want to draw our attention to it this morning. Malachi chapter 2, verse 17. And, and this was addressed to the priest. To the, to the people who claim to know God the best. This is what the prophet Malachi is, is saying as the Lord is telling you. He says, you have wearied the Lord with your words. You ask, how have we wearied him? When you say everyone who does what is evil is good in the Lord's sight and he is delighted with them, or else where is the God of justice? See, I'm going to send my messenger and he will clear the way before me. Then the Lord will, see, will, will suddenly... Excuse me, then the Lord you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant you delight in. See, he's coming, says the Lord of armies. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who will be able to stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire, like a launder's breach. He will be like the refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. Then they will present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. And the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will please the Lord as in the days of old and years gone by. When metal is melted, a couple of things happen. By the way, that's what a refiner's fire is, in case we weren't clear. I didn't make that connection for you. In a refiner's fire, there's a cup that won't melt. And they put the precious metal inside of it, and the cup heats up, and the metal melts. And two things happen. Number one, the metal is not destroyed. It is not overcome. The impurities simply rise to the surface and they're scooped out. If you've never seen that process before, it's all over YouTube. They do all kinds of stuff. When we're going through difficult things in life, God's not causing that necessarily. Sometimes it's just a result of of a broken world. But God's still going to use that process to make you more like Him. When the prophet Malachi is addressing the broken system that the priest had created, He's saying to them, the refiner's fire is coming and you will be purified. 
That's what our suffering is for. It's so that God can make us more like Himself. We are brought to perfection through our suffering. I know that's not an easy pill to swallow. Okay? When you identify that life is moving forward in difficulty, here's what we've got to do. We've got to remember that God's going to use that to make you more like Himself. When we see those difficulties in life pop up, because you usually can, sometimes they're a surprise, sometimes you kind of see them coming. Whether you see it coming or it's a surprise, rather than running from it, simply have a conversation with God and say, God, what are you trying to do in my life? Reveal what you're trying to do. We also need to examine our lives and see if we got God on the sidelines. Sometimes that suffering comes because we think we're letting God call the shots, but it's actually us. And we're trying to move and do things because we want, not because God said. When we see ourselves in those circumstances, we've got to ask God, what is the purpose of this? And in doing so, we're going to get that greater perspective that we talked about last week. When, when those things pop up in life and you take a moment to pause and say, God, give me your perspective on this, then you get to be in on what's going on. You're not just blinded by the circumstance. The circumstance is still there. It's still difficult. But like we sang about this morning, Jesus is there with you in the middle of that. And He's going to walk through it with you. He's going to lead you and He's going to show you what's going on. We all go through difficult times. We all deal with difficulty. We deal with suffering. And how we deal with it in our lives, how we choose to let the Lord use that, is going to be the difference between growing, becoming more like Him, and just being bitter. Because those are the two things that typically happen. Is we either allow God to work in us and through that circumstance. Or we just get bitter. We just get mad about it. Because we don't understand. And we don't understand because we haven't asked. We haven't given God an opportunity to speak. In church, here's the good news. is When we take time to look back on your life. And I'm sure you've done this before. And you look at the difficult times doesn't mean that they got any easier but often we can see what the Lord did in us and through us in those difficult times when I look back at my experiences in churches in the past and I see the way I was leading and the way other people were leading I go I don't want to be that anymore and the Lord used that in my life to teach me what it meant to lead a church to be a part of that team when I look back on the terrible bosses that I had in my life it changed the way I wanted to, to be a supervisor for other people. Namely, one of, my, one of the things that I hold to is I'll never ask somebody to do something I'm not willing to do myself. But I didn't learn that. Like somebody didn't just say that and went, oh, that's a good thing I should do. I learned that by being refined in the fire. And when you look back on your life, you look at the, the difficulties, the things that were hard, and you ask, if you don't see it, ask God. He'll show you what he was doing. Last night when we had dinner with Carrie Grace, I asked her a question. I, I thought about asking her because obviously this was on my mind. But I said, Lord, if, if you want to talk about that, because we were going to have a fun dinner. I didn't want to bring up cancer and all of that mess. You know, we're done with that. But she brought it up and I said, well, let me ask you a question. You don't have to answer it if you don't want to. But I said, how did having cancer at that point in your life affect your relationship with God? And she said, in the moment, it was really hard. She said, but now looking back, I realize how much God loves me. She had cancer. 
And the result was, now she knows how much God loves her. Church, that's, that's not how we typically look at difficulty in our life, is it? But that happened because she's asking the right questions. Because she's got spiritual eyes, the Holy Spirit's living inside her, and God's going, look, I know this is hard, but look at how I'm handling it for you. And she can give you details of that if you want them. I'm sure she'd be happy to talk about it. But at the end of the day, we need to understand that our lives are so much bigger than those difficult moments that we find ourselves in. Those things are hard, and I'm not saying that they're not. Life is hard sometimes. But God's not going to waste an opportunity when we're having to go through something difficult to grow us more like Him if we'll give Him the opportunity to. So as a church body, as, as brothers and sisters in Christ, when you see somebody that's suffering around you, step into that with them. Do life together. And if you have some experiences where something like that has happened in your life, share those experiences. Help them to see that God-sized perspective that they need in their life. I want you all to think about the significant impact that we can have on the lives of others when we can help them understand the love of God because of what we've gone through in the past. When we take the time to not make it be about us, but to make it be about Jesus. God is bringing us to perfection through suffering so that the world can know his love. Let's pray together. God, sometimes when I address your word, you, you challenge me. And I'm so thankful. Father, I know that this is a, a challenging word for our body this morning. But Father, I ask that this week as we think about what you've, what you've said today, that we would be drawn to your scripture, that it wouldn't be about how we feel about your word, but it would be about what you say. Father, teach us to trust you in the areas of our lives that are so difficult. To not try to grab the reins for ourselves and, and move as we see fit. God, teach us to rely on you. Teach us that our knee-jerk reaction when life gets hard is not to try to fix it, but to run to you and ask you how we should respond. Father, work that into my life. Work that into the lives of, of these brothers and sisters. Jesus, we love you. Amen.